Welcome to another episode of Kodo Cinema, the podcast show where I talk about movies. I'm your host, Mark Kodo, a.k.a. Kodo Man. Well, with Christmas right around the corner, I thought I thought I would like to talk about another Christmas movie for Kodo Cinema Christmas Month. Now, I've been thinking what what Christmas movie I should, I should talk about for, for this episode, and I know a lot of you are probably wondering, uh, Co- Hey, Kodo Man, what, what Christmas movie are you going to talk about next? You talked about Batman Returns. You talked about Elf. You even talked about Home Alone, Lost in New York, including the um, the the Disney version of Home Alone, which is Home Sweet Home Alone, and th- and then of course Bup the Christmas Carol. What o- and then and then a few other movies as well. What movie are you going to talk about next? Well, I've been thinking lately, and I'm going to talk about the original Home Alone. That is right, folks. Uh, for this episode, I'm going to talk about Home Alone, the original Home Alone movie that came out in 1990. And Home Alone is a 1990 American Christmas comedy directed by Chris Columbus and written and produced by John Hughes. Now, Home Alone is the first film in the Home Alone franchise. And the film stars Macaulay Culkin, Joe Pesci, Daniel Stern, John Hurd, and Catherine O'Hara. Macaulay Culkin plays Kevin McAllister a boy who defends his suburban Chicago home from a home invasion by a pair of robbers after his family accidentally leaves him behind on their Christmas vacation to Paris. And yes, that is the plot of the movie. Kevin McAllister, who is left home alone by accident, he is all alone at his home in Chicago, and he's left behind, and this leads him to defend his, to, to defend his home from a from a pair of robbers, and um, and this movie, this movie, as I mentioned, was directed by Chris Columbus, with John Hughes being the writer and producer of this movie. Plus, um, plus the movie, the movie came out on November tenth, nineteen ninety, in Chicago, Illinois, but it was released in the United States overall on November sixteenth of nineteen ninety, and it was distributed by Twentieth Century Fox. The film was on a budget of $18 million, and of course, prior to the film's release, it grossed $476.7 million on an $18 million budget. And it became the highest grossing live-action comedy at the time until the release of The Hangover Part 2. Now, the movie itself, the critical reception of the movie was initially mixed, but in later years, the reception has been generally positive with praise for his cast, humor, and music. And of course, with the with the reception of the movie being being generally positive, Macaulay Culkin this this movie this the movie it's the movie made Macaulay Culkin a child star. And of course, Home Alone was the second highest grossing film of nineteen ninety behind the movie Ghost, which stars Patrick Swayze and Demi Moore, including Whoopi Goldberg. The movie, Home Alone, was nominated for two Academy Awards for Best Original Score and Best Original Song. Both of them were contributed to a fantastic 
film composer none other than John Williams. Yes, John Williams wrote the score and the so- and the song that was nominated for an Academy Award. Now the song now the song is called Somewhere in My Memory, which is the name of the song that is being played in the Home Alone movie. And then obviously his score, his musical score for Home Alone, and in my opinion, one of his best scores I have ever I have ever heard. Now um now I will break down this movie. Now and before I do that, I want to give you uh, my background on Home Alone. Now Home Alone is obviously one of my favorite Christmas movies out there. Like, aside from aside from Elf, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, A Christmas Story, among many other films, Home Alone is one of my fa- is one of my favorites. And yes, I've recently talked about Home Alone 2: Lost in New York last year. So now I want to talk about this. I want to talk about the first film. But Home Alone is obviously a uh, a, a Christmas movie. A very good Christmas movie. Well, it's not the best Christmas movie, but it's one of the best Christmas movies out there, and I, and I really enjoyed watching this movie. Macaulay Culkin, obviously, come on, you can't can't go wrong with that, and especially especially when he has to take on the robbers who who are literally going through Kevin McAllister's traps, and then obviously, and then obviously Kevin has to defend the house for himself. But also, even though he was left home alone by accident, but also the fact is. It is a very, it is a very good film to watch. I like this movie. It's a, it's one of those good, it's one of those film. It is a, it is a good film to watch. Now, um, now I, I've seen this film as a kid. Now, not when it first came out, but on DVD because I got the DVD when I was like, I believe I was still in elementary school at the time when I first saw Home, Al- when I first saw Home Alone. So I was like, I was still little at the time, and. I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed the movie. I laughed so hard at the traps, for the most part, because obviously, when you think of Home Alone, you mostly when when people think of Home Alone, many people will think of the of the traps that Kevin McAllister puts in, and and it's really something. I really remember that too. Even the music itself, because once I got older, I remember listening to the music, and I was and I was wondering who wrote the music, and it was actually John Williams. John Williams. One of the biggest film composers out there, in my opinion, he's literally the best film composer out there, in my personal opinion. It's amazing how he was able to write the score. And here's a fun fact about this. And here's a fun fact: John Williams was not the original composer. Yeah, I know that's shocking. It turns out, um, Bruce Broughton was the original composer for uh, Home Alone. Like he was going to write the score for the film. In fact, early posters listed Bruce. Broughton as the composer. However, Bruce Broughton was busy with the Rescuers Down Under, which is basically a, a, a Walt Disney movie, and he had to cancel at the last minute. So Chris Columbus got a hold of Steven Spielberg, who helped him contact John Williams to produce the final score. So, so with this, so obviously um, Chris Columbus reached out to Steven Spielberg, and I'm gonna be honest with you. Steven Spielberg really saved Chris Columbus right there. Like, like Chris Columbus contacted Steven Spielberg, got a hold of John Williams, and I can't imagine the conversation between that. But just to imagine that, it it all worked out at the end, and I'm really glad that um, Chris Columbus was able to get the music on board with the help of 
uh, with the help of Steven Spielberg and John Williams. But mostly John Williams, but it was really Steven Spielberg who really who really helped Chris Columbus out there. Plus, and of, I mean, you got to give credit to both Steven Spielberg and John Williams. They really helped Chris Columbus out there to get the music to get to get this music into the into the movie. Now, the production of the film takes place obviously in the Chicago metropolitan area. As for as as someone who 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 lives in the Chicagoland area, this film also holds a special place in my heart because I live in Naperville and Chicago and Naperville, they're pretty close. It's in my own backyard, and that's really and that's really something. Plus, um, my buddy, uh, one of my one of my previous guest stars, uh, Joe Kennedy, and I, we talked about the Blues Brothers, which also takes place in Chicago, Illinois. So. So we, I remember, so he and I, we were talking about, we were talking about that film taking place in Chicago as well. I mean, come on, can't go, can't go wrong with that. That's why, that's that's one of the reasons why I like this movie because this movie it takes place in Chicago, Illinois, and I'm right near that area too. Another fun fact is the McAllister House, or should I say the Home Loan House, takes place in Winnetka, Illinois, which is still near Chicago. But I, but I realized that some of the interior scenes were actually filmed at New Trier High School. And I'm impressed by this because because when I saw the movie, like I I remember seeing the interior like the indoor like the interior of the house. Like knowing that like the bedroom, the family room, the kitchen. I thought this was in the actual house. No. Like the in, some of the interior some of the interior locations of the ha- of the McAllister house takes place at New Trier High School. So yes so they actually still filmed that they they still filmed the exterior scenes, the outdoor scenes at the house, which at the house in Winnetka. But some of the interior stuff, they had to go to New Trier High School to to put together the the bedrooms, the kitchen, and some of the other loca- and some of the other locations in the house. So that's that's so that's real so that's real so that's really so that's that's awesome. And also to bring this up as well, um, now you all are probably wondering how did Chris Columbus uh, direct the Home Alone movie? Well, it turns out he left production of National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation because because um, he was going to be the director of that film, but unfortunately he had um, he had difficulty he had a, he had a, he had a difficult time working with Chevy Chase because it seems like Chevy Chase and Chris Columbus. Did not get along. Did not get along with each other on set. So and John Hughes, who was also involved with uh, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, John Hughes gave Chris Columbus script two different scripts, and one of them was Home Alone. So Chris Columbus chose to direct Home Alone as he found it funnier and liked the Christmas theme. So yeah, so it all worked out. And also, um. Chris Columbus did an uncredited rewrite of the script among to among his contributions to to the character of Old Man Marley, which he created to give the story a more serious layer, as well as a, as a more emotional, happier ending. Macaulay Culkin, who played Kevin McAllister, was not the first choice. John Mulaney was asked to audition for the role of Kevin after being scouted in a children's sketch comedy group, but his parents refused the opportunity. So Chris Columbus decided. Decided to meet up with Culkin and agreed for the role. So and he and so Chris Columbus came to the decision and and he and he met up with Culkin and agreed he was the right choice to play Kevin McAllister. So that's pretty cool. 
And also, Robert De Niro and John Lovis um, were, go were originally going to play the role of Harry before Joe Pesci took the role. And then, um, and then, and then for Uncle Frank, Kevin McAllister's uncle, Uncle Frank was going to be played by Kelsey Grammer, but unfortunately, Kelsey Grammer was unav unavailable, so they brought in Jerry Bamman. And as for Marv, Daniel Stern was cast as Marv, although um, he dropped out after he was after he would not be paid more for the extended schedule because uh, because the schedule for the shoot, the production schedule, was extended from six weeks to eight weeks. And uh, and he dropped out after 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 as he would not be paid, but he dropped out after as he would not be paid more for the extended schedule. So another actor had a had to replace him. But unfortunately, the actor the other actor um, did not uh, did not appeal to uh, Chris Columbus. So um, because because um, the actor Daniel Roebuck was going to replace Daniel Stern for Marv. But unfortunately, Daniel, Daniel Roebuck's chemistry with Joe Pesci, it, like the chemistry was lacking between the two. Between the two, so they decided to bring Daniel Stern back on board. And uh, Roebuck later said that although he was upset to be fired from the production, he now believed the experience was a little blip of unimportance. And also, Chris Farley aud auditioned for the role of Santa of a Santa Claus impersonator, but he failed to impress Chris Columbus. And uh, also, um, John Candy is also in this movie too, and he was available for only one day to film his scenes, which took 23 hours to shoot, and he was paid only $414 since he did the film as a favor to John Hughes. John Hughes and John Candy, they actually both did um, Uncle Buck the, uh, the year, about, a year prior to Home about a year prior to Home Alone. And of course, in return, John, in return, John Candy was the only actor Hughes allowed to go off script. Allow, according to Chris Columbus, all his dialogue was improvised. So obviously, John Candy's dialogue in Home Alone, it was all improvised. On the spot. He improvised, he improvised on the spot. And that is amazing too. Alright, so, so anyway, that's basically the behind the scenes stories. And of course, my background on the movie. So anyway, pull out, pull out some cheese pizza, popcorn, because I'm going to bring. So I'm because I'm going to break down Home Alone. So get ready, you filthy animals. <laughs> the movie opens up with a with an opening credit sequence to which uh, John Williams is the music by from the music from John Williams is playing in the background while showing the uh, while showing like the the credits of the cast members and of course the 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 crew members, the people who were involved in filming this movie so which is pretty cool the music the opening the music for this is very creepy and eerie but it does um give it it's very creepy and eerie too because if you really think about it the idea of being home alone like someone who is left at, at the house all alone is can be creepy can be a little creepy too because you never know like who's gonna like who's gonna show up like you never know like you know you like you never know because you're the only person who's left all alone and you're probably wondering uh where is everybody what's going on I hope no I hope no one's sneaking into the house and I really like that whole eerie vibe that John Williams put in for this for for this movie especially for the theme because the 
because the music in this is like that's the vibe that that is the uh, that's the theme that's the theme that is being played and i really like that theme it really gives an overall eerie creepy vibe and i got to give john williams credit for that and um and then of course we get we get to see the McAllister house and what we see what we see in that opening is basically uh, all of Kevin McAllister's relatives like like from his uh, brothers to his sisters to his cousins his mom his dad his uncle like he like basically like everybody in this house is basically they're getting ready for uh, vacation like they're going to Paris for uh, for Chris for christmas vacation and and the McAllister family is prepping to spend christmas in paris gathering at kate and peter's home in chicago in in a chicago suburb on the night before their departure now um their youngest son kevin is frequently ridiculed by his cousins and siblings particularly his older brother buzz and yes and yes yes Yes, basically Kevin McAllister is being overlooked. And Kevin McAllister being played by Macaulay Culkin, he does a fantastic job. He does a fantastic job with his role. I'm going to say that right th- I'm going to say this right there. Kevin McAllister is a brat, but at the same time, but at the same time, he's very sympathetic too because he's basically being overlooked by his family. His whole family overlooks this one kid in the house who's basically basically their own son they like Kevin McAllister is basically being being he's being ignored by everybody and by everybody in the house like like Kevin like we even get a moment where Kevin McAllister like Kevin McAllister is saying this house is so nuts I'm so wrong in so many ways when I get married and get a lot of money I'm gonna live alone do you hear me I'm living alone I'm living alone that's what Kevin McAllister says because everybody is every because everybody is not paying attention to Kevin McAllister he's being he's being like Kevin McAllister like he's basically being tossed to the side like he's a side son like like yeah, that's a yeah, that's what I said. A side son. I'm telling you right now, like his family is being his family just literally tossed Kevin McCall- Kevin McAllister aside. Like 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 literally. And then of course like this but then of course like like Kevin McAllister like he's being ignored by his mom because uh, because Kevin McAllister told his mom being played by Catherine Catherine O'Hara like about a movie that he was going to watch. But unfortunately, his uh, jerk uncle, Uncle Frank, wouldn't have let Kevin McAllister watch it because it's basically, I'm pretty sure it's a, it's a movie that's that's basically inappropriate, even though Kevin McAllister says, it's not even rated R. Uncle Frank is just being a jerk. I mean, <laughs> you're not entirely wrong, Kevin, because Uncle Frank is def- definitely a jerk, if you know what I'm saying. Hell, even Uncle Frank just bursted that out, just bursted out jerk in front of Kevin McAllister in 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 1C, but I'll get to that pretty soon. So, um so Ke- so basically so basically Kevin McAllister tries to like, you know, talk to his other relatives just to, you know, just to get a, get attention, you know, especially with his brother Buzz. Like he walks into Buzz's room and, and he's like, 
don't you ever knock? Don't you ever knock? But, but Kevin was like, can I sleep in your room? I don't want to sleep on the third floor. You know, Fuller. He, he wets the bed. And then Buzz is like, I wouldn't let you sleep in my room if you were growing on my ass. Like, that's what he said to Kevin McAllister. And I'm just like, whoa, buddy. Whoa. Whoa, take it easy, Buzz. Like, you're... You're his older brother. Why are you telling him? Why are you saying that to him like that? He's got, he's eight years old. Oh, wait, speaking of which, I mean, uh, during filming of the, I'm pretty sure filming for this was obviously tough, especially for Kevin McCall, for Macaulay Culkin, because, especially for the younger kids, because some of these kids in this movie, like, they're like underage. Like, they gotta be at least in, their, they gotta be at least um, seven, eight, nine, or ten. Like, like some of these actors are very young. They're like young child actors, and and obviously filming during the nighttime can be challenging because obviously there's certain hours in the day where um, kids uh, cannot be out that late. So, so I'm pretty sure uh, Chris Columbus were trying to like find a way to like get the film just to get filming on schedule. You know, if you know what I'm saying, just you know find the right time, find the right day to uh, get the film going. And and I'm pretty sure Chris Columbus was able to handle handle it properly but anyway but anyway um but anyway during during this one scene um uh buzz kevin and one of his relatives uh were, were checking out old man marley because um uh, there is this uh rumor that old man marley is rumored to be a serial killer who who murdered his family and and of course uh, old man marley was salting the uh Salting the sidewalks base because just so the salt can melt the ice, but uh, Buzz came. But Buzz was like, "Nah, man, that salt is basically the remnants of the victims that Old Man Marley killed." And Kevin McAllister becomes frightened by it. Like, like he he he's very frightened about it, about it. But what we know later on in the movie that it turned out it, it's not that true. It's not, but. But we find out later on, like Old Man Marley is is different, and and I'll get to that later too. But I just want to just want to throw that out there because because obviously this is what this is also what was going on in the movie too. To which uh, Chris Columbus put that in the movie because Chris Columbus, as I mentioned, did an uncredited rewrite for the edition of Old Man Marley. So um, so anyway, uh, Kevin and his family they're all downstairs eating pizza because obviously well obviously pizza night i guess and the the pizza delivery guy accidentally knocks over the stash statue which is a very very funny gag by the way and um and then of course everybody's eating was eating pizza but unfortunately kevin McAllister didn't see his pizza which is basically his cheese pizza because um uh his family ordered him a plain cheese but unfortunately buzz ate kevin's uh, pizza and <laughs> And Kevin was like, did anybody order me a plain cheese? And Buzz is like, well, would you want any? Someone's going to have to barf it all up. And it's gone. And then <laughs> I like this next moment where uh, one of the family members um, told Fuller to go easy on the Pepsi. And Fuller just like smiles at him. <laughs> oh my goodness, man. This there are memorable. There are so, the writing for this movie is it's, it's so good, man. Like this is good writing. Come on, I mean, how can anybody not like this movie? Because 
This movie got mixed reviews when it first came out, and and you get you you remember some of these lines, and like I'm just like, how can people not like this movie? Like this movie, you look at this movie now, it's actually good. This is a good movie. Going back to Kevin's situation, Kevin is pissed off right now, and as he. As he, as he is about to, like, he's about to throw down. He was about to throw down, but unfortunately, Buzz was about to throw up. And then Kevin just, just tackles Buzz and fights him because Buzz ate Kevin's cheese pizza. And, um, and unfortunately, this fight results in the, in the drinks being spilled onto the passports. to Being spilled on the passports and, and airplane tickets. And, of course, and, and of course, everybody was trying to clean, clean it up. And then everybody's trying to clean it up. And here's a here's a nice little hidden here's a nice little hidden detail that I'm pretty sure not a whole lot of people catch. Um, Kevin McAllister's dad threw out Kevin McAllister's passport, and I never caught this first time watching it. Like first time watching it, you don't even realize that Kevin McAllister's passport or airplane ticket, I should say, was being tossed into the garbage. And and I didn't even notice that Kevin McAllister's dad didn't notice that either. And this does indicate knowing the fact that Kevin will be left home alone. And that's a very nice subtle detail and hint of what we're going to get throughout the rest of the movie. But unfortunately, um, Kevin's mom, uh, Kate, stops the fight. And of course, Kevin tries to explain that Buzz started it all because because he ate his pizza on purpose and then he keeps rambling on until Uncle Frank's tells Kevin look what you did you little jerk that's basically the line that Uncle Frank said to Kevin like he told Kevin look what you did you little jerk and everybody looks at Kevin McAllister like they're all mad they're pissed at Kevin McAllister for what he did at, what he did to the dinner to the dinner table he turned a pizza party into a pizza catastrophe and and this was from from spilled this is basically from a fight led to a result of all the drinks being spilled onto the passports. Everybody told Kevin to go upstairs, like one of them told Kevin that he's such a disease and obviously Kevin went upstairs went upstairs with uh, his mom with his mom and of course she paid of course she got to pay for the pizza guy, so she paid the pizza guy and then there's this cop who's also in the in the opening of the movie and that actually Actually, actually, for those who already probably have already figured it out, is actually Harry, who's being played by Joe Pesci, and Joe Pesci is is Harry, and Harry, I'm pretty sure impersonates a cop, if because I know he plays a cop in in the opening of the movie, but I'm not really sure if it's for impersonation. I'm pretty sure he's impersonating a cop. I mean, I don't really know the specific details, but but obviously, yes, he kind came in as a cop impersonator or not or whatever but but later but we find out later on that harry was obviously the cop from the from the from the um from the opening who's basically the robber and then because harry was just checking out the place just to see if everything was uh okay and and prepped because obviously around christmas time everybody's gonna go on vacation you're definitely gonna need uh, proper precautions you know like timers doors being locked because just so uh, there are no uh, there are no um, break-ins if you break-ins if you know what I'm saying but unfortunate but but unfortunate but unfortunately obviously there something will definitely happen from the, to the McAllister house but anyway uh, Kevin and his mom go upstairs they both having have an argument for a while but they both have an argument 
saying that there are 15 people in this house and you're and you're the only one that has to make trouble. Kevin's like, but I'm the only one being dumped on. And then the mom is, and then Kevin's mom is like, you're the only one acting up. So get upstairs. And then Kevin's like, I am upstairs, dummy. I was like, whoa, Kevin McAllister. I mean, I mean, sure. If you thought older kids are saying stuff like that to their younger siblings, how about their youngest son saying some, saying something to their parents like that? I mean, like, whoa. I mean, wow. Talk about, wow. Talk, wow. Talk about family issues back in the, talk about family issues back in the 90s. But anyway, uh, Kevin's mom opened the door to the third floor and Kevin's like, it's scary up there. The mom was like, don't be silly, full will be up there soon. But unfortunately, Kevin McAllister tries to apologize, but but the mom was like, it's too late, go. And then Kevin walks up, Kevin walks upstairs, it's just like, everybody in this family hates me. And then and then the mom was like, maybe you should ask Santa for a new family. And then Kevin's like, I don't want new, any new family. Family sucks. And I was just like, holy crap, Kevin. And then and then this ends in the this also the conversation ends with Kevin McCaster saying, I don't want to see you for the rest of my whole life. Or something like that. And then Kevin's mom's like, I hope you don't mean that. You'll be very upset once you real once you wake up and realize that you don't have a family anymore. And that's just low, man. Like like that's just low. Like their argument between the two like they're both of both of their arguments were like, Whoa, whoa, like I, like you can't even realize they actually both of them said that. Like as if they're never going to see each other again. Like, literally. And that actually happens the next morning. Because uh, Kevin's family wake up to um, to um, their alarm not going off. Because uh, there was a power outage. And uh, everybody was scrambling to get ready. To just get the thing, all the rest of their things packed up to get to the airport. Which is basically um, O'Hare Airport. They went to O'Hare Airport to f- just so they can... Fly out of O'Hare to Chicago to to um, to Paris and um, and 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 of course, obviously, uh, the uh, one of the uh, American Airlines uh, drivers uh, who was driving this van for Kevin's family knocked over the statue again because there's a statue out front, out front of the, of the McAllister's house, which is obviously pretty funny. That's a pretty nice gag. And and of course everybody was running through O'Hare Airport just to get to the gate to fly to Paris. And also, um, during the head count, they were doing they were also doing a head count. And um, one of the siblings real thought that that the neighbor because the neighbor walked by to check out all the things in the McAllister's uh, suitcases. And um, and um, the sibling, one of the siblings, did a head count on the neighbor because she thought this. Um, the, the one of the relatives, one of the relatives thought, because uh, the relatives was doing one of the relatives was doing a head count, and one of the relatives thought that the that the neighbor who came over came by to the McAllisters thought it was um, it was Kevin McAllister. No, that's not true. That's not true because we because uh, th- we we find out later that. We found out later during mid-flight where uh, Kevin's mom realized something's up, and then um, and then the father, being played by John Hurd, like they were both the both of them were talking, and they were like, "Well, what are we forgetting?" And then Kate, Kevin's mom, was like, Kevin's mom realized they left Kevin behind because she free- she says, "Kevin," meaning that. Kevin's left home alone, and she realized that mid-flight. 
in the nighttime, in the sky, at night. Wow! And then Kevin wakes up, realizing that no one's home, and um, and he's just like, "I made my family disappear." He says it again. He says it again, and it's like, "I made my family disappear." And then Kevin is just basically having a grand old time at the house, at the house, you know, going through all the rooms. He even went through uh, Buzz's stuff, and um. And then, of course, uh, he, he found a picture of Buzz's girlfriend to which, um, actually, here's a fact about this, about this moment. Um, the picture, the, the picture of Buzz's girlfriend in, in, in this, in this scene that Kevin is looking, is looking at is basically, um, is basically a photo, is basically a boy in a wig because Chris Columbus thought it would be too mean to make fun of a girl like that. And um, Kevin McAllister, he looks at this picture and he's like, Buzz, your girlfriend, wolf! And then smashes the picture. And I'm just like, oh my goodness. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> oh man. I mean, um... I don't know, I mean, to be honest though, I think the scene speaks for itself, in my opinion. Later on, Kevin decides to um, watch a movie, which is basically called Angels with Filthy Souls. And this is basically a movie, movie within a movie, a movie within a movie, because um, the movie that Kevin McAllister watched, um, Angels with Filthy Souls, um, it's a, it's basically parodying a, the uh, 1938 crime crime film angels with dirty faces and and the shooting for for that the shooting for it took only one day on the, on the final test day prior to official start of principal photography and of course this is basically um this is basically creating the illusion of the 1940s gangster film basically shot in black and white and of course this is basically features johnny and snake and um, they're basically, they're basically having a conversation, and then and, and John and then Johnny was like, "Who is it?" And then this guy named Snakes comes in. And he's like, "It's me, Snakes. I got the stuff." And Johnny was like, "Leave it on the doorstep and get the hell out of here," because they're basically, they're basically, they're basically doing a deal, right? They're basically doing a deal, but it, which actually backfires pretty quick because. Um, Johnny pulls out a, a machine gun and, and he shoots at snake. He shoots at snakes like a literal gangster. And Kevin McAllister just watches it and he's like, "Buzz, I'm eating junk and watching rubbish. You better come out and stop me." But unfortunately, uh, Kevin comes to realize the whole violent situation where snakes is being shot multiple times by Johnny, and Kevin McAllister is freaked out by it and. He's freaked out by it. Well, I guess he didn't heed the um, Uncle Frank's warning then. <laughs> and then, and then, um, and then Johnny was. Then Johnny tells uh, snakes, tells snakes to keep the change, you filthy animal, because um, snakes was going to be paid by it, but but unfortunately he he got paid with bullets. So yeah, he kept the bullets, which is basically change. And Johnny's like, keep the change, you filthy animal. And then later on in the movie, uh, the robbers start coming. The robbers, Harry and Marv, 
being played by Joe Pesci and Daniel Stern are um, are about to check out the McAllister house. They're going to rob it, but unfortunately, Kevin McAllister realizes this because he heard voices outside and noise as well. So he decides to turn on all the lights, which gives the attention, which brings the attention to Harry and Marth because Marv is like, "I thought you said they were at home," and Harry was like, "They were supposed to leave this morning. Let's get out of here." So Harry and Marv left. And, um, and of course, um, and then of course, and then of course, uh, Kevin hides up in his parents' bedroom, but he's like, this is ridiculous. Only, only a wimp will be hiding in the bed like this. I'm not, I'm not, a wimp. I'm not a wimp. I'm the man of the house. Think again, Kevin, because once Kevin walks outside, he sees old man Marley because remember, Buzz told Kevin about this whole story of what old man Marley was doing and then. And then this music from John Williams just like, just like comes in the background, comes in the background doing this whole, um, I think it's a jingle or something. It's basically, da 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 da. Kevin screams, yeah, Kevin screams and <laughs> runs back into the house and hides under the covers like a wimp. That poor little wimp. So, um, so later on, uh, once Kevin's parents land landed the airport at in Paris, uh, they they were trying to get a hold of. The Chicago police to see if Kevin McAllister is at home, and they do. They send a police. They send a police officer to check out the house, and um, the police. Uh, unfortunately, Kevin didn't answer the door because he thought it was Harry or Marv or or the old man Marley. But no, it was a police officer, and the police officer was like, "There's no one home. There's no one home. The house is secured. Tell the tell the parents to count their kids again." And then, unfortunately, um, Kate. Kevin's mom tries to, you know, book a flight back to Chicago, but unfortunately, it's, you know, around the holidays, you know how all the flights are being booked around the holidays because holiday seasons, everybody's trying to get get to one place to another, where whether it's vacation or back home. So that's the situation that Kate is in. So she's basically being put on standby because what would, what really happened is like. Really, the argument that she had with Kevin was very, was heavy. It was heavy. It was bad. And in the way how she left her son all alone at home and she wants to go back to see him. Like, she was trying her best, her very best effort to get back to Chicago to see Kevin McAllister. And and she really, she really does. She she traveled from Chicago to Paris to Dallas to wherever the hell she ended up at, which is obviously Scranton. She ended up in Scranton towards the end of the movie, and um, and Kate was like, "No, no, 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 no! This is Christmas, the season of home, and I don't I don't care about to go out like a hitchhiker. I'm trying to get home to my son, and that's what Kate is doing." But thankfully, Kate was caught by the attention of um, one of the by one of the band members, who's basically a, a polka musician named Gus Polinski, being played by John Candy. Who, as I mentioned, John Candy improvised all of his lines in, in this movie because he actually had one day of shooting. And and John Candy was like, "Hey, I I heard about. It. I, hey, you know what? Hey." I heard you had a little miss, little little uh miss miss mishap on the flight and stuff. But hey, uh, uh, me and me and some of some of my band members. I mean, we 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 got a little we got a little situation ourselves. I mean, the, one of our guys is renting a renting a van, and 
and we're we're traveling to Milwaukee and I hear you're from Chicago. Uh if you if you like I can um give you a ride to Chicago. It's on our way to Milwaukee. I could drive you there. And Kate is so full of relief and joy because she just got a ride with 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 Gus Polanski and the Polk and the Polka band to uh to Chicago because this is basically on their way to Milwaukee, Wisconsin. So and that's actually pretty that's actually a very very good moments for it as well. Very good, very good. That is a very good silver lining right there. But anyway, back to um, Kevin McAllister, who is still home alone. Um, he he tries to go by. He he's basically still at the house, all home alone. He uh, basically tries to buy a toothbrush, but unfortunately, um, but unfortunately, he shoplifts a toothbrush because old man Marley was there and. Kevin was scared of old man Marley, like, like because of the story. Like I said, the story, but obviously he shoplifts, shoplifts the toothbrush, and then of course, obviously, um, and then of course, um, he feel he feels bad too because Kevin feels bad because now he's basically a criminal. He's like, I'm a criminal. Like, yeah, no crap. Obviously, he's a kid. He 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 didn't know better. I mean, I mean, he should have known better, but obviously he was scared of old man Marley. He was obviously scared of old man Marley, but uh, you know, you know, you know. But anyway, um, Kevin keeps on walking. Unfortunately, he almost gets run over by Harry and Marv, who was robbing, uh, robbing uh, one of the houses, who broke into one of the houses, and and Marv um, clogs up all the all the kitchen sinks and leaves the water running because. Their uh, code names are the Wet Bandits, because they steal things and, of course, obviously flood the house, which explains why they're why it's wet. Wet Bandits. And Harry and Marv, they almost ran over Kevin McAllister, and and Harry was like, "Hey, hey, kid, you better watch out for traffic, son. You know." Kevin's like, "Sorry," and then Harry's like, "Okay, okay, Merry Christmas." He smiles at Kevin, but. What Kevin realizes is that he recognizes he recognizes uh, Harry in the truck because here's the thing in the opening scene when Harry was the cop he Harry smiles at Kevin with the gold tooth he sees the gold tooth in Harry at the moment when Harry almost ran Kevin McAllister over and Kevin is like <gasps> and Kevin just freaks out like he realizes he recognized the guy he recognized the cop turned turned criminal in this very scene and kevin walks away but unfortunately the the, the wet bandits follow him to this church and of course obviously the two thought kevin was hid inside the church which actually no kevin McAllister hid in the, in the nativity who uh, dressed up as uh, one of the shepherds and um Kevin McAllister decides to go back to the house and basically threw a party in the house, which is basically made through, uh, uh, you know, obviously the mechanics, dummies, you know, you know, those like um, uh, test dummies, you know, like using like test dummies, you know, like you like you see or um, the test dummies or the like one of those like uh, mall store, you know, those like grocery store mall store dummies they used. And um, they actually had a Michael Jordan cutout cardboard on the train, and uh, obviously with music going on in the background. I mean, basically because uh, this actually fooled Harry and Marv because Harry thought, every, uh, because Marv thought that did it, did everyone come did they come back 
Harry's like, Paris. But unfortunately, during the whole wait, while listening to rock, rocking around the Christmas tree, Harry was like, we'll come back tomorrow. Maybe they'll be gone. We better get out of here before someone sees us. So they left, and Kevin McAllister just opens the window and is like, yeah, they're gone. For now. And then uh, later on, Kevin over orders pizza, orders cheese pizza, and this bit right here, it's actually one of my favorite moments because uh, Kevin left a note on the front door to tell the pizza guy go go to the back go go to the back door, and and the pizza guy does so. He knocks on the door, and what does he get greeted by? Who does he get greeted by? None other than Johnny from Angels with Filthy Souls, and Johnny was like. Who is it? The pizza guy's like, it's Little Narrows, sir. I have your pizza. Johnny was like, leave it on the doorstep and get the hell out of here. <laughs> and then this whole bit continues on, and then this whole bit continues on, like, continues on, and then the pizza guy calls uh, Johnny a cheapskate, and then Johnny's like, hey, I'm going to give you to a count of ten to get your ugly yellow no good, no good keister off my property before I pump your guts for a lead. One, two, ten. He went said one, two, skips over to ten and starts firing inside the house. And it literally freaked out the pizza guy who knocked over the garbage cans by accident because he fell behind. And he runs to his car, starts the engine, and drives off. And then Kevin McAllister gets his cheese pizza. And he's like, a lovely cheese pizza, a lovely cheese pizza just for me. Closes the door, and then the next day, and then the next day, Harry and Marv are back, and Marv goes in, tries. Marv goes to the back door, and he tries to like you know get through like this little uh, cat door or dog door that that is basically put in and put in the door, and then he tries to get in with his foot, although he lo he lost his shoe, and he was like crap, and and. Uh, Marv grabs his shoe because obviously he can't get through the little doors because obviously the back door is locked. And then Kevin McAllister throws on angels with filthy souls again. Just, you know, think, just, you know, just to let Marv think that, oh, there's somebody in there. Two of them are arguing. Like, I thought I heard one of them. I thought one of them was snakes or something. But unfortunately, this does lead to another shootout again. But this time, Kevin McAllister came prepared. He used one of the firecrackers. I believe it was from uh, Buzz's room, I believe, but no, it, well, it was in the drawer. He pulls out a pot, and then the firecrackers with a, um, one of those, like, little candle, candle lighters, and he activates the firecrackers, and it starts going off during the, uh, during, during the gun, during the gunshots. During, during, during the gunshots, and it, and it freaked Marv out. He went, fell backwards over the garbage cans. Just like the pizza guy did, and he runs back to Harry in the truck. And Harry's like, "What's going on?" And then Marv's like, "I don't know what the hell went. What the hell was going on?" It, it was like I heard somebody. Two of them were arguing. I thought one of them I heard was snakes or something. Snakes? I don't remember any snakes. So Harry and Marv were, were waiting again, but unfortunately, um, they realized that it was a kid. It was just a kid inside the house, and. And of course, and of course, Harry and Marv. Harry goes to like the front of the house or, or the back of the house just to see C Kevin McAllister decorating a Christmas tree. Kevin sees Harry through a red ornament, to which um, Harry was like poking, was seeing through the window. And 
Kevin Kevin's just like, "Hey, can anybody help me? Hey, does does anybody want to help me decorate this tree?" And then Harry was like, "Nah, man. This kid is home alone." So Harry and Marv decide to like come back later tonight and um and Kevin Kevin sees this whole conversation going and he's like, "Mom, where are you?" Well, actually, and then before that, and then before that, um, Kevin McAllister goes out shopping for groceries. And before, well, actually, before he goes out shopping for groceries, because obviously this time, this time he had, this time he paid for it. By the way, he paid the money for it. He he goes up to the bathroom just you know just to take a you know take a shower, comb his hair, put on deodorant, and then he puts on this uh, aftershave. And he does the famous, the famous uh, Kevin McAllister scream with his hands on his cheeks, screaming, "That's the famous, that's the one of the famous moments in that movie. It's just famous." And then, of course, obviously Kevin goes out shopping. He he gets everything that he needs, you know, obviously for the house. And then he meets up with this uh, checkout lady who is basically. Uh, Scanning his gro- groceries, and then of course this whole conversation starts, and between the two, and basically, um, basically the the uh, grocery lady clerk was asking Kevin, "Where's your mom?" Kevin was like, "My mom's in the car. Where's your dad? He's at work. What about your brothers and your sisters? I'm an only child. Do you know where you live?" But Kevin was like, "I'm not gonna tell you that." And then the lady's like, "Why not?" Because here's what Kevin said: "Because you're a stranger." Boom. Ooh, yeah, yeah, he got you right there. Well, obviously, of course, you know, because, yeah, yeah, he, Kevin's obviously talking to a stranger at a grocery store. But obviously, this is a grocery store clerk, by the way, just to, like, just to let you know. But still, you get it, you know, you know. But also, also, what's also weird, too, because uh, the scene where Kevin was talking to this grocery store clerk uh, in the trailer... The one of the one of the there was another worker too in the trailer right next to the right next to the female grocery store clerk, and he was asking the same questions to Kevin McAllister too, so I don't know the reason behind behind it. Like I don't know the reason behind it, but the reason behind why didn't the other guy who was in the trailer with the female grocery store clerk, who was asking the same questions about it. If you know, if you know what I'm talking about, if you know what I'm talking about, in the original trailer, during this scene where uh, Kevin was talking to the grocery store female grocery store clerk, there was a guy next to the female store grocery clerk who I'm pretty sure is an employee as well. He talks to Kevin, asks him the same questions: "Where's your mom? Where's your dad? What about your brothers and your sisters?" And then, "Why can't I, why can't you tell me about where you live?" Like those are the same questions that he said to Kevin in the trailer, but in the final cut. The guy's not in the final cut. It's just basically a female grocery store clerk who's asking the uh, questions. So I don't know the reason behind it, but that, I mean, but I don't know the reason behind it, but but anyway, let's move forward. So anyway, Kevin obviously drops out the groceries at his house. He does a little bit of laundry, and then of course he gets scared by the furnace. He gets scared by the furnace, and he gets scared by the, by the furnace, and Kevin's like, I'm not afraid of you. He was afraid of the furnace at one point. When he realized he was home alone, but not this time. So anyway, uh, after doing laundry, uh, Kevin McAllister um, walks walks around during the night. Um, 
he wants to go see Santa because he he see, he see because he wants to he wants to talk to Santa just you know just so he wants his parents back for Christmas. He wants to see his family back for Christmas. Then but before that, Santa gets a parking ticket. He's like, "Damn, how can Santa Claus get a parking ticket on Christmas Eve? What's next? Rabies shots on the Easter Bunny?" And then obviously Santa Claus was t- uh, the Santa impersonator was talking to Kevin Callister because obviously um, Kevin doesn't want Christmas gifts. All he all Kevin wants is wants to see his family again and if there's enough time his uncle frank no larry he says that kevin McAllister says that to santa claus <laughs> and then santa's like eh, okay i'll see what i can do and then santa claus you know gives a little treat to kevin which is basically tic tacs because obviously if you know one thing like if you know one thing whenever it comes to like you know santa claus santa claus visit visitations you know you get like like candy canes Candy canes to children's that little little something little something little little something like a little treat, you know, like after a visitation, Santa Claus visitation, and then Santa Claus is like, here you go, don't spoil your dinner, don't spoil your dinner, don't spoil your dinner. And then Kevin's like, I won't, thanks. And then Santa was about to leave in his car, but unfortunately his car breaks down, and he was like, son of a, this movie's so good. Like these are moments like this in this movie I really appreciate though, like. Like, these are some of these moments I really appreciate and enjoyed. Like, there are moments that are so funny. Like, like, like Angels with Filthy Souls, Santa Cena, Santa Claus, the person there, John Candy, Harry and Marv. Basically, a lot of things are going on in this movie. There's so many moments between these scenes. Like, you can actually remember them and laugh at it because this is, this is comedy, dude. This is com. this is like one of the few good Christmas comedies out there. Along with National Lampoons and Elf and among many others as well. But still. But anyway, Kevin Kevin at, at this very moment, he is he's depressed right now. He's upset because because he's not with his family anymore. And and he sees a um he sees a family who's basically having Christmas Eve dinner together and he's just sad right now. He's like he's literally sad and John Williams is somewhere in my memory play plays in the background and it's a sad but heartwarming moment because, like, because somewhere in my memory, it's like there's always something somewhere in your memory where you may remember something, something that is good, like your family, and and I really enjoy it, and I really appreciate the the song that's being played on in, in the background when Kevin was walking around during the night, which leads up to the moment where Kevin walks into church and. And at one point, it feels like Kevin just wants to, like, you know, go to church at this point. But unfortunately, he meets up with old man Marley inside the church. He, um, he, 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 re- he re-encounters Marley, who, who actually walks up to Kevin, and he actually says Merry Christmas to Kevin. And Kevin's like, huh? Like, it turns out Marley, old man Marley, he's, He's not what he what he seems to be. He's not a serial killer. He's just a nice old man. And Marley dis- disproves the rumors about him. And of course, he point Marley points out his granddaughter in the choir and mentions he otherwise would not get to see her since she is the daughter of his estranged son. And Kevin suggests to Marley that he should reconcile with his son. And this is the moment where you realize that this is a very good moments between Marley and Kevin like they both had their own situations going on they both had their own demons like you know like 
how Kevin and Marley, they basically disconnect with each other from their family. And of course, their conversation about about like their family issues and they, they decide to like, you know, reconcile with each other, reconcile with their families. It's basically a very heartwarming moment and I really really find that to be good. This is a very touching moment too because especially in, when they're having a conversation inside a church because cuz inside the church, you know, like you're basically reconciling with um with God, with with God. Your faith and your faith and your family as well. Like think about that. That's a pretty good place too. And it can be scary at times, but once you realize, once you decide to like, you know, reconcile with someone whether it's with God or, or your family or with the church, you know, it's a very touching moment. You realize that we've been through a lot, but now, I, listen, how about we decide, to, how about we reconcile with each other, put our differences aside, and, you know, let's just try to reconcile with each other. And that's a very heartwarming moment. So uh, later on, Ke Kevin and Marley, they shake hands and Kevin leaves for the night to go back home. And, and then he hears, a, he hears, the, he hears the, uh, the church bells ring and he realizes that it's 8 o'clock. So, so Kevin decides to, so Kevin runs back home and we play a, um, a, a variation of a carol of what appears to be carol of the bells from uh, John Williams because... Uh, this theme, this variation of Carol of the Bells, is actually uh, the theme for um, of the robbers because because uh, because 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 with the music from John Williams as being played, which is basically a theme of Carol of the Bells, um, it turns out it, because it turns out he, Kevin because because it's basically the theme for the robbers or the setup, I should say. And you know this music, That's the music. That's basically the the theme for um Kevin to set up the traps at his house to stop the robbers. So there's your theme right there. And and of course Kevin gets back home. He says. This is my house. I had to defend it. So he decides to put in all the traps from 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 pouring water onto the steps to make to turn to ice, to tarring the steps, to make the doorknob hot, to um, putting ornaments on the floor, to to planes, trains, automobiles on the floor, to um to uh, putting a rope on a tree, to putting like you know like those skyline ropes on the treehouse from the house to the to the treehouse, putting pillow feathers on 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 a on a fan, and then many other traps traps as well. And then of course Kevin McAllister Kevin McAllister almost ate his mac and cheese, but unfortunately, nine o'clock, the robbers are here. The wet bandits are are here. So Kevin pulls out this BB gun that he took from Buzz's room because because in in, in er, there's an early because in an early scene Kevin McAllister was practicing with a BB gun and uh, he uses his BB gun to defend himself from the wet bandits and once Harry and Marv were there Kevin was ready he was ready he's like this is it don't get scared now and Harry and Marv pretend to be Santa Claus and 
his his uh, elf. And I'm gonna be honest with you. I'm gonna be honest with you. Once Kevin opened fire on Harry on Harry's <clears throat> balls. He he starts screaming. He screams and gibbers a lot because because for those of you who know Joe Pesci, Joe Pesci is very well known for for cussing out bad words and you know what he and he's basically gibberish. He like because once he got shot in his balls in the balls by the BB gun, he's like, oh shoot shoot. Like, he's being gibberish, but you can definitely tell that Harry is trying so hard not to swear. Because Home Alone is a PG movie, and he's trying to restrain himself from saying from saying a lot of F-bombs. So you definitely know what what's going on. And, um, and the traps keep on going, because Harry and Marv split up to different parts of the house. Harry goes to the front of the house and he he gets tripped on slipped on the stairs because he 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 slips on the front of the stairs because the stairs were all ice and the like, Harry and Marv got slipped up by ice on the stairs and it's very brutal it's very brutal and funny too. Like this is like one of the most violent moments. This is a very violent sequence too because the traps in this movie are violent. They're very violent. And home and of course Harry and Mark literally got brutally tortured by the traps. Like Harry's hand was burnt by the doorknob at the front, and which leaves out an M symbol on the palm of his hand. And Marv, Marv, Marv gets hit in the he gets smashed in the face with an iron from the from the, one of those laundry chutes. Plus he. He was walking upstairs on tar and bare feet and he gets he gets he gets he gets his foot caught by a nail and oh my goodness isn't that brutal too like he fell like 11 steps down after being stabbed in the foot by a nail and then um and then Harry Harry gets by one of the most brutal brutal gets one of the most brutal he gets he gets burnt by a flamethrower to the head and it's obviously the best trap the best trap in this movie is basically the flame is basically the flamethrower like because harry goes goes to the back goes to the back goes to the back of the house he tries to like get in but unfortunately he gets his head caught on fire by a flamethrower and he screams out loud and <laughs> He he runs out of the house and basically extinguishes his head through the in the snow. And then of course, the top of his hat gets burnt, and we see <laughs> we see his bald head. He's basically bald. Bon 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 my eyes. But but also yeah yeah that's a full thick third degree burn by the way. Yeah, so Harry got a full thick third degree burn in this movie. But um but of course Harry manages to get into the house by knocking down the back door and takes down the flamethrower and he's like, Where are you, you little creep? And Marv tries to get back into the house too, but unfortunately, um he he crawl and climbs through the window, but his foot gets 
to get stepped onto ornaments, and yeah, his foot's his foot's probably bleeding at this point. But that would probably be too graphic. That that's definitely too. That'll be that'll be too graphic for a PG movie like Home Alone. Speaking of which, I'm pretty sure there were PG movies where they do go to graphic territory and in some early movies. But but anyway, um, but but you know you know that's that was back then. Home Alone's PG, by the way. Just to let you all know. But anyway, Harry and Marv see each other in the house, and of course, um, Harry, Harry and Marv are asking each other, "How? What the hell happened?" Harry, Harry's like, "How the hell did you take your shoes off?" And then Marv's like, "Why the hell are you dressed like a chicken?" Because uh, Harry got blown. Harry got blown in the face. Harry, Harry was blo- was basically Harry's face was blown up by uh, chicken feathers because uh, Kevin turned on the fan to blow feathers, chicken feathers in front of. Uh, front of Harry and it's a funny moment <laughs> and then of course uh, Harry and Marv they they try to get go after Kevin they slipped on multiple trains trains planes and automobiles they get hit in the face by paint cans and then Harry lost a tooth he lost his gold tooth and he's like my gold tooth my gold tooth my gold tooth I'll kill the kid I'll kill him like Harry really wants to kill that kid after he after he got his tooth knocked out and then of course uh, Kevin calls the police and Kevin almost got caught by Marv. Like, Marv has Kevin by the leg. And Kevin was set free after Kevin put uh, Buzz's uh, spider or tarantula on, on, the, on the Marv's face. And Marv screams. And um, he tosses the tarantula on a Harry who's about to smash it. But no, he smashed, he smashed Harry's uh, chest. And Harry, was, Harry got hurt so bad at this moment that, he, that even the spider just... Crawls away and he was like, "Ah, eh, screw this! I'm going back to Buzz's room." <laughs> because, because the thing was, um, Kevin messed up Buzz, but went to Buzz's room and um, broke his shelves. And and on the shelves is Buzz's uh, tarantula, and the tarantula was set free after Kevin McAllister accidentally broke all the all the shelves from climbing up to get his savings and Buzz's savings and. And then, of course, obviously the spider was roaming around the house, which leads up to uh, Kevin using the spider to get Marv off just to make him scream. And obviously enough, obviously, Marv misses the spider and the spider going back to Buzz's room being like, eh, screw this, I'm going back to Buzz's room. Probably probably seeing Spider-Man or something. But anyway, um, uh, Harry and Marv go go after Kevin, who's basically in the treehouse. And then Kevin's like, down here, you horse's big horse's ass! Come and get me before I go. Before I call the police. And then Harry and Marv try to you try to go on the rope just to like climb, just you know, like you know, just to like get to the treehouse. But unfortunately, Kevin uses these um, these hedge clippers to uh, cut the rope. And then Harry and Marv bump each other into the house wall and basically back back and basically land back outside. And then of course. Um, Kevin runs away. He goes to the, to one of the neighbors' house, which is basically being flooded, and um, he's basically stopped by Harry and Marv. He was like, "Hiya, pal. We outsmarted you this time. Get over here. Get over here." So um, Harry hangs uh, Kevin on the was basically the door. Um, hangs ha- Kevin on the door, and then Harry and Marv decide to like you know do do the exact thing what. Harry and Marv are about to like, you know, I think they were about to torture Kevin 
by using the exact same traps that Kevin used by by burning his head with a blowtorch. Let's smash his face with an iron. And then of course, and then of course, one of the few things was Harry was gonna do was bite off every finger on Kevin's on Kevin's hand. Who's gonna bite Kevin's Kevin's finger? But actually, here's the thing: Joe Pesci actually bit Macaulay Culkin on the finger. Macaulay Culkin still has a scar to this day. So what you see in the movie is Joe Pesci actually bit Macaulay Culkin on the finger, and he's got the scar to this day. I'm not making this up. Joe Pesci actually bit Macaulay Culkin on the finger. And he still has the scar to this day. But thankfully, old man Marley shows up and he knocks out the the wet bandits. And Kevin McAllister is back home safely. And then the police arrive. They arrest Harry and Marv. And Kevin McAllister was having a... um, Having himself a Merry Little Christmas because uh, yeah, background of Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas was being played in the background. I think it's the Frank Sinatra Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas being played in the background, um, which I'm pretty sure was was being played. But but yeah, but anyway, Kevin is having himself a Merry Little Christmas Eve, and then Kevin McAllister's mom was still with the polka band, driving in the night while they're playing music, and then they both have a heartfelt conversation. Although comedic too, because um, although comedic at, at times, because um, obviously you know John Candy, John Candy's a comedian himself, so yeah. But anyway, I mean the conversation between uh, John Candy and Catherine O'Hara is pretty, pretty sweet. Is a pretty sweet and funny moment too. But um, but 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 at the end of the day, but 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 for what it's worth, it's still a nice moment. Like because Kate was like. Telling John Candy, like, Kate feels like that she's a bad parent. And John Candy was like, you're not. I mean, I mean, look at us. I mean, we all have our, our own family issues, too. Like, like one of my band, band one of my band members never got to see his kids, too. And, and of course, I mean, I had my own issues, too. I mean, I have my own issues, too. But, you know, yeah. But, you know, you know. But in the scene case, I'm going to. But then, but then, Christmas Day... But I, but then the next morning, Christmas Day, Kevin is initially disappointed to find that his family is still gone. But thankfully, Kate arrives home, and they both reconcile. And both Kate and Kevin reconcile with each other. And it's a very heartwarming moment. Kevin and his mom are happy to see each other again. And it's a very heartwarming moment. I almost cried during that moment. They reconcile each other. Remember in the church scene when Marley and Re- and Kevin McAllister were talking about their family issues and decides to like you know reconcile with their family. It comes full circle. Kevin reconciles with his mom, and of course, old man Marley reconciles with his family too, including his son, daughter-in-law, and granddaughter. And it's a very heartwarming moment too. And on top of that, the rest of Kevin's family comes back home from Paris, and the rest of the family, they they actually were able to get a direct flight to Chicago, and they were all happy to see Kevin safe and sound. Even Kevin's dad as well. He was like, "Oh, Kevin, I'm glad you're safe." And and then of course, and then of course, he Kevin sees Buzz again. Buzz is actually happy to see Kevin. Is happy to see Kevin, and then of course, uh, Kevin's dad was like, "What have you been up to?" 
And then Kevin's like, well, I was able to help out with groceries. And just fooling around. You can say that again, Kevin. Oh, and um, Kevin McAllister's dad also picked up Harry's gold tooth. And he was wondering what it was. Obviously because Kevin hits Harry in the face with a, with a paint can. Which explains why Harry's gold tooth came out of his mouth. But also, but also, Kevin sees old man Marley reconciling with his family, as I mentioned too. And I do like this last moment of Kevin looking out of the window seeing old man Marley reconciling with his family. But it's literally the music from John Williams that literally adds a beautiful send-off to, to Marley, to old man Marley reconciling with his family. Because he, uh, he and his family walk back inside or basically walking in the snow basically inside his house i believe and uh, and kevin is happy kevin is happy that that old man marley has reconciled with his family and kevin is happy that he reconciled with his family too and then on top of that we get a final moment we get the final moment where um where where buzz where buzz walks upstairs to his room and he sees that his room is all messed up and buzz is like Kevin, what did you do to my room? Kevin's like, all, sh- all crap. He runs back stairs, and the movie ends, and that's it. That and that's it. That is my breakdown, and that's the movie, and that is it, and that is Home Alone. And I'm gonna tell you this: this movie holds up. It still holds up as a Christmas classic. And even though first time release, I get it. I know a lot of people. I know a lot of people said they didn't like the I know a lot of people didn't like this movie as much. I'm pretty sure it's most notably from the traps that Kevin put in and basically the film being well, how I say this mean spirited. But at the end of the day, really, Home Alone is a Christmas classic and I'm glad that this movie was reappraised. And people are seeing this as a Christmas class as as a as a Christmas classic. I really enjoyed it. The cast the cast was good, particularly from Macaulay Culkin. I love the Harry and Marv as the uh, Harry and Marv, Joe Pesci and Dan- and Daniel Stern. They were both very good. I liked their chemistry in this movie very much. Daniel Daniel Stern and Joe Pesci, their chemistry was awesome. The story was good too. The music from John Williams is great. I mean, is there anything else anything else to say about John Williams? He's obviously created one of the best scores for this movie, and of course, being nominated for two Academy Awards as well. And then the overall, the overall, and the overall movie itself taking place on Christmas, taking place in Chicago. That is amazing. I really, really enjoyed this movie so much. I still enjoy this movie to this day. But other than that, but other than that, Merry Christmas, you filthy animals. <laughs> oh man. But anyway, but anyway, but anyway, that would be a wrap on this movie. So anyway, that's that's it. So anyway, that'll be a wrap on this movie. But anyway, what did you all think of Home Alone? Did you like the movie? Did you think the movie is okay? Did you not like the movie? Did you think Home Alone still holds up as one of the best Christmas movies out there? I would like to hear your thoughts. But anyway, that's a wrap on this episode. So, Merry Christmas, you filthy animals. And thank you all for tuning in to Kodo Cinema. I'm your host, Mark Kodo, a.k.a. Kodo Man. Remember to watch movies and stay positive.